Welcome to the pod and the pendulum. We have a little bonus show for you this week. We're actually going to, you know, push back our phantasm oblivion show. And I'd like to say it's because we're doing this show uh, or this mini episode right now, but it's really because I'm like super lazy and haven't done my notes or contacted the guests about when we're going to record. And I'm like, oh shit, uh, we're supposed to record this weekend and I have nothing. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and we are going to do, uh, you know, today, very luckily, very happily, the full trailer for Scream 6 dropped earlier today. And because it's my favorite franchise, my favorite series of movies, it's the series that started this little show. I thought I'd gather some friends and talk about this for a little time today. So I am not here alone. Just like there's always more than one ghost face, we have more than one co-host today. And all of us are murderers. Up first, from the site, We Who Walk Here, she is taking a break from prepping for her Sundance coverage. We have the lovely Jessica Scott. Jessica, how are we? I am very excited to be here and very excited to talk about this trailer. Excellent. We're happy to have you here. And we have, after a long break, we have not heard from this gentleman in quite a while. He is in his new digs. He is having some more lot. He is our friend, good old friend, Chewy, Stephen Foxworthy. How are we? Doing great, Mike. It is pronounced Malort. Oh, Okay, for you fancy folks, <laughs> right? It is Marla. For I guess the low class people like me, it is. <laughs> I well, can't. Merlot is Merlot is uh, is a mispronunciation of Merlot. It is a amalgamation of Merlin and Camelot. Basically, it's when Merlin okay. took shit over. Is how I'm going to choose to imagine <laughs> that. Look, longtime listeners, you know that I cannot pronounce words. Okay. <laughs> It is, which is a great thing when you make a living talking. Mm. So fantastic. <laughs> but moving on, let's talk about this trailer. Before we dive into the nitty gritty details, let's ask how excited are each of you for Scream 6? I am very excited. I was not a huge fan of Five Cream. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's, I've got it ranked last in my series ranking, even though I'm a huge Scream fan. So I feel like this is going to be a lot better for me personally. I'm very excited about moving locations to New York, moving out of Woodsboro. Um, I'm just, you know, the return of Kirby. I'm very excited. What was it about Scream 5 that didn't work for you? Because I think overall, like it was a fairly solid, like I think most people really enjoyed it. But for the folks that didn't like it, um, it just didn't hit. What about it didn't hit for you? I, I felt like it wasn't as sharp as previous entries. I, I didn't think it conveyed everything it was trying to convey about toxic fandom as mm-hmm. cleverly as the other films tackled different, you know, aspects of the genre. Um, I wasn't, I, you know, Dewey dying kind of hit me hard. I 
am not a huge fan of Sam. Um, I love Jenna Ortega, but I'm not a, as big a fan as her, of her older sister in the film. Um, so just overall, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I still liked it, but it wasn't my favorite in the series by any okay. stretch. Yeah, and my take on Scream is like there's no bad entries. Like my least mm-hmm. favorite is three. Same. And even that one, like I would watch that over a lot of other movies. It's still like a really fun Scooby-Doo style slasher. So, mm-hmm. but you, what do you think? You mentioned like the move of location, the return of Kirby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have like a better feeling overall heading into this one. Yeah, this one, it feels less predictable. Not, not that the first one was predictable. I, the, fifth one was predictable but it feels like things have changed i know i sound like i'm buying into the hype like everything changes in this installment (laughs) you know i'm believing everything the trailer is telling me it's a musical yeah (laughs) but it does feel like the rules have changed and it feels like uh i have less of an idea of what's happening which is why all my notes for this show are just questions because all i have are questions about this do you think Scream 6, well, there is no Rocky. Oh, there's Rocky Balboa. I'll say, what was better, Scream 5 or Rocky 5? Okay, don't kick me off the show, but I've never seen a single Rocky movie. That just means you have some great movies to look forward to one there day. You go. There you go. He, he's means. jealous of your opportunity to watch those <laughs> for the first time. You can skip Rocky 5. Okay. You can. It's very Definitely skippable. skip Rocky Five, um, unless you're just a completist, in which case, you know, grain of salt. But yeah, yeah. you can skip to the fight to the end of Rocky Two. <laughs> um, you can cry like a baby at the end of Rocky, like I always do. Fair. Always, always, always. That's how anyway. you prove you're human and not a robot. Is if you cry really, at the end of Rocky. Is. And Rocky 3 is just pure fun. It's the queer Rocky, I would say. Rocky 3 is the queer Rocky. And then Rocky 4 is the reason we know who won the Cold War. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Can't wait to find out because I've been wondering. You know, these days it can be a bit of a question, but (laughs) thank God Sylvester Stallone directed Rocky 4 is what I say. (laughs) And there's the the director's cut of Rocky 4, which is a completely different movie. Oh, I haven't even seen that. It's not even like added scenes. It's like a completely different movie. It's bizarre. How does Um, it? Wait, does he still have the robot wife, though? Does Polly still? What? (laughs) Polly doesn't have the robot wife? The robot is excised from the director's cut of. Is Polly just not in the movie then? Polly's in the movie. Okay, because that's pretty much all Polly does in four. He goes to the Siberian and helps train. Okay. Yeah. He gives a, you know, no one likes Polly. I think I just broke Jessica's brain. I'm just, it only took them four entries to get to Robot Wife. I am very impressed. Very impressed. (laughs) It's great. And he beats Well, I mean, this is, in fairness, this is not a horror franchise, so they're not rushing to get to that point. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a, yeah, it's definitely, it's not a race. I mean, it Um, takes its time. It luxuriates in the first three movies, and then it decides to just, you know, amp everything up to 11. Right. So, Stephen, the Scream Six. How hyped are you for this? Uh, that's a complicated question. Um, I am. Scream is probably my favorite of the of the slasher franchises, mm-hmm. and one of my top three favorite horror franchises of all time. Like you, I do not think there's a bad entry in the franchise. I'm actually rewatching them with my girlfriend right now. We just finished Scream Three last night. Um, oh, I mean, that movie just gets a little better in my mind every time I watch it, and it's my least favorite in the mm-hmm. franchise. So. Um, I, yeah, I've, I, I have a blast with this franchise. I love it to death. Um, 
five ranks squarely in the middle for me. But the fact that we're doing this without Nev Campbell gives me some pause. Um, the fact that, I mean, Sydney has been the mainstay in this franchise. That's actually the thing I love most about this franchise is that it focuses not so much on the killer, uh, like so many other slasher franchises, but on the victims, on the people mm-hmm. that he has affected, he or she has affected. Um, so the the notion that we're doing this without Sydney feels like we're missing something pretty important in this movie. So that's, that's given me a little pause. And also, and I think... Brian Kuyper is the one who the great Brian Kuyper is the one who said this before, but scream at its is at its best when it's commenting on something within the genre. And I think the best entries in the genre one, four and five respectively for me are the ones that are doing the best job of commenting on something within the genre, be it what a slasher movie is at its very core, the, the reboot remake culture of the early two thousands, or in the case of Five Cream, um, Toxic Fandom and the the reboot quill, um, which again, your mileage may vary on how well it does that. I thought it did a pretty good job, um, but that's me. Um, but I, and I think two and three tend to be the weaker ones just because I don't think the commentaries are as incisive. And I think when you start putting these out quickly, you quickly run out of things to comment on, which is mm-hmm. why Scream 3 is just a comment on the Scream franchise. Um, like, hey, isn't it wild that in just like five years we've become the you know the predominant voice of the horror genre? Let's talk about that, I guess. So, I mean, it, which is why it's the last one on my list yeah. is because it really doesn't feel like it has that much to say. Well, um, three also suffered from the fact that like they had to rewrite the whole script right. because it was three weeks before filming. Right. Yeah. So it becomes much less about what they originally planned. And becomes what I would say like a victory lap. Like it's almost like a, I just did a rewatch of all of Parks and Rec because that's one of my comfort mm-hmm. TV shows. And like that's the last season of Parks and Rec is a victory lap for 100%. that episode, especially the finale. And I love it. I love that. See, it's probably the season I would rewatch the second most um, for all those warm and fuzzies. And that's what three is like, look at like, what this little franchise did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very fun, silly Scooby-Doo without like the dog. It is hundred um, percent. It's a lot of fun. It's like the, the Scooby-Doo mysteries, like the hour long episodes where they'd have a special guest every mm-hmm. week. And the special guest is like Batman and Robin. Yeah. Right. But in, in scream three, it's Parker Posey and yeah. Carrie Fisher and Lance Henriksen and Roger Corman and, all the like Jay and silent Bob, all the different cameos that you get sure. from everybody in scream three. Like that's kind of the special guest in that very special Scooby-Doo episode. Like it, yeah. and it, it definitely, again, as someone who I just finished watching it last night, it definitely feels that way. I also think the killer is probably the weakest in three, but agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I do like how subversive it is that it's poking fun. Well, not poking fun because it's more serious than that, but it's taking a stab at, no pun intended, Harvey Weinstein within his own company, which I really which appreciate about it. Which is legitimately the most audacious thing about it. And I, I can't watch that movie without thinking about that now. And it it's it's honestly the reason why Scream 3, like, it probably is as high in my estimation as it is because mm-hmm. as a film overall, like it's got its problems, but again, there's not a bad entry in this franchise for one reason or another. And yeah. I love the fact that you're basically, you cast Lance Henriksen as Harvey Weinstein for a 
for a movie that's got his name as the producer at the end of the film. Like that's fucking incredible. And bravo Wes Craven for pulling that off. Seriously. Mm -hmm. So let's tackle the, I think you both touched on it, Steven in particular, no Nev Campbell that we know of in this movie that she stepped away from the project after um, getting what she perceived as a low ball offer mm-hmm. from the producers and probably rightfully so. I mean, like meaning that she rightfully felt like low balled because right. I would say Nev Campbell is Sidney Prescott is more important to the scream franchise than uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode is to the Halloween franchise. I don't know if that's a super controversial take, but there are plenty of great Halloween sequels where Laurie is not involved in any way, shape or form or isn't the focus. Like you look at Halloween two and Laurie has like very little to do in that movie, but lie in a hospital bed. It's much more of a Loomis movie. Mm -hmm. She's not in four five or six. She's not in three. We all love Halloween three, right? And Halloween four is kind of getting it's, I think getting more of its due Mm -hmm. in the past few years. Um, you could argue she's like the weakest part of Halloween Kills. Again, sideline to the bed. Long story short, like I think that Nev Campbell is Sydney Prescott is like the definitive, like the best of the final girls. And you're right. The movies are much more about her than they are um, Ghostface. Mm-hmm. That said, Scream 5 was a great exit point for Nev Campbell, and I think for Courtney Cox as well. I'd be happy if there was no Courtney Cox in this movie. I'm not upset that Sydney's not in it, because I, my worry now is every time Sydney would return, the temptation to kill her off is going to be greater and greater, and I don't want that end for Sydney Prescott. Just could do without it. I joked about this in the run-up to Scream 5. The best use of Sydney in any of these movies going forward is an opening scene where she gets a call like, shit's going down in Woodsboro again. And she's like, not my problem. Shuts the phone off, grabs a glass of wine, and reads her book on her front porch. And then, like, smash cut to the Scream title card <laughs> at that point. Okay? I kind of love that. I'm not going to lie. Like, one of my favorite parts of Scream 3 is that is that ending where the door's yes. open and she just doesn't care. Like, it's I love that for her. Perfect ending to that trilogy of movies. Absolutely. So, um, I... I don't like that she's not in the movie because the producers like didn't value her worth to the series. That Mm -hmm. is what's upsetting and good for Nev Campbell for saying, Nope, like I can do other things. Like I won't be, I am not going to take a low ball offer. Good for her. Seriously. Um, But let's get into the trailer itself. Let's get into this opening. And you know what? As a therapist, I ask a lot of questions. So Jessica, you have all the questions. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you, what's your first one? Well, it's always someone, you know, right. I, based on the killer's mask, which seems to have been taken from an evidence locker, like that's an old used ghost face mask and hit the shrine with all of the clothes and pieces from the crime scenes. I was wondering if our killer is someone related to law enforcement, like somebody related to 
Deputy Judy or related to Dewey somehow, um, some cousin of Tatum's that we don't know about. You know, I, I thought it was someone related to law enforcement was mm-hmm. my first question, because this is clearly someone with a lot more access access than previous ghost faces. Do you, you think, mm, I was going to say, do you think it might be someone we've already seen in these movies or a character that is here for, for not known to us? I have two different theories. One of them is completely off the wall and is never going to happen. And the other one is that this is someone we don't know about. Like we've never met this person, but they are related to someone that we've met because that seems to be the way these things go, obviously with previous killers. Um, So I, I don't think it's someone we've seen before though. I do think that there is one silly fan service suggestion. Say it. Okay, so did you notice the last two or three seconds of the trailer, there's a sound. There's a Jason mm-hmm. sound. I did not. Yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was just, you know, Jason takes Manhattan because they're on the subway or... There is someone with a Jason mask on that subway train, True. too. But also, Friday the 13th Part 6 is Jason Lives. And I thought, what if they brought back Stu? Because everybody has this theory that Stu never really died. And I thought, what if Stu is back as the killer? Because he's this big, strong guy. Like, he's shooting a shotgun single-handed. That takes a lot of strength. Like, this big, strong guy with a lot of access, a lot of knowledge. And Stu lives, is is Scream 6. That was my weird fan theory that I absolutely do not believe is true. I don't want it to be true. <laughs> um but I mean, I, after, after I watched the trailer a couple of times, I did a deep dive on YouTube and there are a lot of people out there who seem to really want that to be true. That was apparently the original plan for scream three, but Kev, Kevin Williamson is at this point pretty much all but confirmed that mm-hmm. Stu is dead and gone and we shouldn't look forward to seeing him. Um, you mentioned law enforcement though, and guess who's being shown in this series to now be a member of law enforcement in New York city. Our friend Kirby Reed is a cop now. So um, whether she's with the NYPD or the FBI, we don't really know at this point, but like she's a cop. So, you know, is it, if it's someone attached with law enforcement, I mean, first time I saw Scream 4, Kirby seemed pretty high on my list of potential suspects right up until the part where she got stabbed. So (laughs) like... I mean, could could this be a case of a of a final girl taking matters into her own hands? Maybe. Yeah, I think that's far more likely than my silly stew theory. Uh, but again, you're not alone in the stew theory. Like the stew theory is making its rounds on on the internet right now, and and there are basically two camps. There's the it's stew and no way it's stew camps, and I <laughs> tend to fall in the no way it's stew camp. If it's stew, I will my eyes will just fall out of my head from all the rolling. I As I will not I. care for that. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't care for it. I think it's a possibility, but because it's so popular as a fan theory, I discount it, but so is Kirby lives. You know, Kirby's still alive and that was something that the fans were clamoring for and now she's back. So I don't think we can discount fan service entirely, but I, I agree with you that I don't think Stu is coming back. There's also the subway poster. Like Kirby's stop is has an X like closed for repairs, but Stu's has this like weird little red spot on it. Like maybe there's something else going on there that a lot of people have kind of well pointed to that and say, oh, well, see, Stu's still around. Stu's still alive. And I'm like, why would you put that on your poster, though? Like, why would you spell that out? I, I'm 
pretty sure that's just there to get the fans talking and not an actual thing that they're planning. At least I hope not an actual thing they're planning on doing with this movie. Cause oof. counterpoint. I want the stewed to be alive thing to happen so badly that I will run around the theater and high five everybody <laughs> in every single row. Cause I am here for the Lillard sons. Okay. No, look, all- no, that would be the one thing that would make it worth mm-hmm. it. Like I loves me some Matthew Lillard. Um, like, and, and he has at this point more than proven himself. Like I would love to see Matthew Lillard mm-hmm. in a movie like this, but in the immortal words of switch from the matrix, not like this, I, not like this. What if it's Stu's unknown twin brother, twin brother was, you know, <laughs> Lou, Lou Mocker. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and he's completely different in every facet in terms of his mannerisms, but just give it to me. Just give me hook it to my veins. I would be, I would be because thr- I there was so much talk before the last scream, like of revisiting the scream three that never was. And this right. idea that, you know, like he was running from prison. He was kind of running this like Woodsboro style cult that, and there was so much talk of it. I'm like, they have to be bringing Stu back. And then when the, it just have it, having it take place in his old home, um, I would be here for it because it, it would be, I guess it wouldn't be odd to have like, because, because the last movie, the killers are brand new characters that are introduced. It just, in all, it, it just feels like it's, I don't know. It feels like this is going to act as that real bridge between the legacy cast and the new cast. And maybe, this will movie be the movie that severs the legacy cast once and for all. I am fully on board with more of these movies with just this new cast of like Jenny Ortega and Melissa Barrera, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding. I am totally fine with carrying the movies forward with this crew. Like I said, I don't need Nev Campbell in this movie um, to make it a screen movie. I um controversial opinion gail is kind of one of my least favorite characters in all of these movies um i love her in the first couple but i kind of think that the character by scream four it's like okay you're here just because we Wes craven wants you here at this point and he's not doing this movie without getting everyone back together but she doesn't really she didn't really add anything to scream four she didn't really add anything to Scream 5. I would have been fine excising her from the movie completely. I'm not going to lie, with the exception of Dewey, did any of the legacy characters add much to Scream 5? <laughs> I thought Nev Campbell was a great bridge in the role that she... Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I It's, it's Arquette's movie, but I would... It is. Been, yeah. And I mean, I knew going in that he was probably going to die just because mm-hmm. of the trailers and the way that they framed certain information i realized i never saw the three legacy characters on screen at the same time mm-hmm. you think you would have at least shot an insert with the three of them together just to throw people off but no mm-hmm. like you just see like sydney and and uh gail together and then dewey by himself a bunch and you're just like well gee what would get the two of them back to woodsboro 
Mm-hmm. Hmm, I wonder. We're gonna do ninety minutes on this trailer, aren't we? Right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I mean, the way we're going, and, I know. and the the way that we are as yes. just you know people who like to talk about things. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Jessica, you mentioned like the weathered look of the mask, mm. and I am immediately got a call back to Halloween 2018, mm-hmm. and was wondering if is this the original mask? Like, is that why? this looks so weathered and worn. Like, are we to assume that this is like the original mask from the first Woodsboro murders? Is it one Stu wore or Billy wore? And that's why it has that beaten down look, which further makes me wonder, like, is this supposed to be Stu or his unknown twin brother, Lou? Yeah. That was my assumption that it's the original, one of the original masks from the first film. Mm -hmm. And, Again, all this access, like the shrine that everybody has been, you know, uh, freeze framing on, like they're watching an episode of Lost or something. Um, and the, the <laughs> footage... wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, the footage that plays in the background, um, it doesn't look like it's from a stab movie. It looks like it might be the footage that they shot in Scream Four, mm-hmm. like the not a, the exact. Um, jill's camera phone shot but that kind of style so again i keep going back to law enforcement that there's no other way you would have this much access like this is somebody with money because look at that huge new york loft where they've got their shrine set up but i don't think this is just like some great crazy old collector who's been bribing people like i feel like this is a law enforcement angle another thing that i've heard another theory that i've heard with regard to all of these things being on display is that this is not a shrine so much as it is like there's an actual like museum exhibit in New York that is exhibiting like, and maybe this film is like interrogating our cultural obsession with true crime, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit. Um, And so like, there's like, this is an actual museum exhibit and they've got the nine ghost face cloaks there as uh, and and this is essentially like a ghost face exhibit in the same way that you might see an exhibit for any number of sordid people uh, throughout our nation's history um now again that's a theory that i've heard i don't know how accurate that is whether or whether it's a shrine or whether it's something else who's to say not me i don't know but i would love that because i you know the fascination with true crime at the expense of victims and victims' families, as we've seen with the recent talk about the Dahmer show, like mm-hmm. holding up these serial killers at the expense of these people who actually were suff- were tortured and killed and their families who were surviving and having to see people worship these killers instead of honoring their deceased family members. Mm-hmm. I would love it if that's what that movie was about. And I think that would be true to the spirit of the franchise up to this mm-hmm. point, which again has historically always been about the victims of these tragedies as opposed to the killers themselves rather than, you know, these, these aren't just teenagers to be picked off one by one. These are actual human beings that you we've grown to care about. Like I care about Sidney Prescott. Mm -hmm. I, you know, cared about Dewey Riley when he passed away and I will care about Gail Weathers if something should happen to her in this next film, you know, like we've, we've, we've grown accustomed to these characters. We gotten to know them. Um, And in a way that, characters in other slasher franchises are not able to be known if they're not the titular killer. 
So I think that's something this franchise has always done really well. And if that's where this is going, then I'm I'm totally on board because it seems of a piece with what this franchise has been historically. Yeah, I think that's something Scream 2 does really well. I know you're not mm. a huge fan of it, but especially that opening scene with Maureen. That opening dying, scene is incredible. Yeah, th- that opening scene is a great short film in and of itself. But like all these people with these glow in the dark knives stabbing in the air and cheering as Maureen dies. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a perfect example of true crime and, you know, an indictment of no offense to anybody out there, I swear to you, but like fan cams of Billy and Stu, you know what I mean? Like yeah. adoring these killers at the expense of the victims. Right. And it would be interesting to, to interrogate that overlap between true crime and horror. Cause I do feel for persons that aren't necessarily fans of horror, there's an assumption that there's a huge overlap between the two fandoms. And what I have found in reality there's a pretty big divide between fans that are obsessive about true horror and fans like, uh, or fans that are obsessive about true crime and fans that are obsessive about horror. I find that they go in there are two different camps. Um, it's fine. Like for horror, it's mostly about a catharsis of like being able to kind of interrogate our fears to be able to, examine our own anxieties in a safe place where you can like pause a movie and know it's this isn't real uh and then kind of come back to it where true crime is trying to tap into that especially for unsolved cases trying to tap into that like sherlock holmes that lives in all of us and there's like a new documentary on hulu now that talks specifically about like the internet sleuthing that goes on where there's this real obsession with being the one to kind of crack the case and it would be interesting to see if this movie i don't think that it's going to but i could be wrong if that's what the hook is going to be this time because there's going to be some sort of hook some Jen, if that's was, the case, mm-hmm. some character has got to be a true crime podcaster, because honestly, that's the way so much of this has kind of seeped into the zeitgeist is stuff like Serial and My Favorite Murder and, and and you know, these these podcasts that kind of and My Favorite Murder is kind of its own separate thing. But like, mm-hmm. you know, these podcasts that kind of obsess over these these unsolved cases that kind of like and and try to, you know, solve these things and write these injustices like that's. I, I, I mean, if if that is the direction they go, and there's not a character who's just an obnoxious podcaster, I'll be very upset. <laughs> Do you think they would be more or less obnoxious than the Halloween podcasters? From- I mean, can anyone be be more obnoxious than the Halloween podcasters? No, I, I didn't mind them that much. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the podcast character from um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I haven't seen that still. Oh, I mean, my my. My disenfranchised co-host, Brett Wright, would probably disagree with you, but I don't think you're missing much. Okay, excellent. Um, Jess, next question you have. Um, Let me see. Oh, just I wanted to to do a shout out to Poltergeist and Paramours because she uh, uh, did a run of Tatum's skirt. And the film actually ordered a bunch from her and used it in that image, which I now am kicking myself for not realizing is probably a museum. But I just wanted to do a shout out to Poltergeist and Paramours because I also have that skirt and I feel very fancy now. So Excellent. 
I got the uh, the fight like a final girl shirt that she put out, and I mine is the one with Sydney on it because Sydney is my platonic ideal of what a final girl is. Like I, she is my number one. So absolutely. Yeah, I got the Texas Chainsaw Sally one from Anna. That tracks. Um, yeah, yeah, because she's awesome. Uh, I do have another question though. Mm-hmm. Um, who do we think the guy in Gail's apartment is who gets got right before? Uh, she's attacked she's got a picture of herself with somebody um but it's giving platonic vibes to me instead of romantic vibes i'm very curious about that this is just me being nosy about gail's life i just think she's some he's the rando like i don't think we're gonna get to know him at all it's probably they were divorced in part five her and dewey so she is already and in real life as well at that point right Mm -hmm. um and he went on to remarry someone who looks just like her, which is, yeah, yeah. Uh, she has a type. It's all right. Yeah, highly true, recommend touche. you. Highly recommend you can't kill David Arquette. The uh, documentary about his return to pro wrestling, where he did hardcore death matches, bloodier than anything you'll see in any slasher movie. Yeah, it's where is this streaming? I need to watch this like on now. Hulu. I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. But you all right, can I'm gonna it. it has been great talking to you guys. I'm gonna peace out right now <laughs> to go watch it. No, it's I... a great documentary. Uh I don't know if you're gonna get to know him. I think it's a great shot. Like that was to me the standout shot in the trailer where he is pull actually i'm a sucker for that thing like things that are in the background when you're focused solely on the foreground and it's completely blurred like you don't you if you're not paying attention to it you don't Mm -hmm. see it like it's it's obscured and i i that makes me wonder is that something they obscured for the trailer or is that actually going to be that obscured in the film too like you kind of like are we supposed to know who this is like there was a part of me asking like is that dermot mulroney's character like are they are they a thing? And that's why it's kind of blurred out is because they don't want us to know that that's how Dermot Mulroney eats it. The fact that Dermot Mulroney's in this, first of all, I love saying Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> He's just got one of those all time great names to say. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I saw him on the poster. Like there were three names that when I, when I saw the poster, I was like, Dermot Mulroney. Fuck. Yes. Tony Revolori. Fuck. Yes. Samara weaving. Fuck. Yes. Yes. She doesn't even have a name in this movie, by the I know. way. Samara, we, I get the feeling that that may be your opening kill. I yeah. have a feeling as well. I mean, she knows the Radio Silence guys because of Ready or Not, which mm-hmm. again, Chef's Kiss, such a great movie, Ready or Not. Um, like, I, I want that to be a franchise. I don't know how you could make that a franchise, but I want it to be one. I want more movies where you get Samara Weaving having to run from people trying to kill her. That sounds amazing to me. <laughs> But yeah, I I, married eight times. (laughs) (laughs) And by like, by like the fourth one, she's like, God, not this again. Well, just people start suspecting, like, are you like a black widow? It's like when you watch. (laughs) Maybe that's the fourth movie. Or no, you get a crossover with Ready or Not and Knives Out and Benoit Blanc investigates her for all the dead husbands. Well, we just watched a Murder, She Wrote episode where someone raise the possibility to Jessica Fletcher like look last year your nephew was arrested on suspicion of murder the year before that your niece the year before that another niece but they were all cleared and she's like is there people just end up dead around you all the time it's like thank god it took four seasons but finally 
Someone is speaking truth to power against someone here Jessica is able to Fletcher. read the signs on the wall and Ooh. make a dramatic correct assumption. Like and, and it's someone who deals with people that deal with trauma mm. all day. I have people that like my middle school teacher was mean to me and I never got over it. I'm like, Jessica Fletcher, I'm only four seasons in. She has seen about 80 dead bodies in the span of like three years. Like People that she was friends with, like people she was close to. Cabot's Cove, not a big city. No, like, Cabot's Cove was a tiny little, tiny little town. I by the end of that series, that entire town has been murdered. Yes, she wrote. they've been replaced. Exactly. She is shaking off so much death, so much murder, like a champ. I mean, there is just like she must be disassociating to be able to shake off that much. My God. It was also the That's, 80s, Mike. Trauma didn't exist for television characters in the 80s. Not, no. That's true. So you see, you have like Clue Gulliger like pops up in six different episodes. <laughs> different character every time. Every so. time. <laughs> awesome. And each and each and every one of them, he's fucking fantastic. I so. love that. Oh, okay. my God. That's incredible. <laughs> I My first note here is on the bodega. And mm. it's a larger note, like wh- how they're using New York. And what I like is it, it is ignoring the flashpoints. It's ignoring the tourists. Like this movie would suck if it was like Ghostface is running around Yankee Stadium. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that would not be fun. Or like the end of the movie is like. Kirby dangling from the Statue of Liberty is like ghost face slashes that are, you know, then you're like, okay, this is a bit, now we've jumped the shark. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's like this little bodega and the subway, uh, that these are the, in what, if that is like a museum or a shrine, like that is the kind of like warehouse space you could see, like this is the Woodsboro murder shrine and it's like the exclusive night spot in New York City. Like that I could see being an excellent use of New York as a location and feeling fresh. Absolutely. And I love the the brief like wall art that we see. It doesn't look like standard graffiti. That's, you know, what's your scary, favorite scary movie with Ghostface on the wall? It does look like an entrance to a nightclub. So I think that's a good call that it's a club or a museum or something like that as opposed to like a lair. Um, right. Which is what I foolishly was assuming from the trailer <laughs> same here too i'm like oh it's the evil lair but <laughs> it's much more likely that it is like if not like a sanctioned museum space that it's a kind of place you would drop a thousand dollars like like the room in nope like uh steven yun's character in nope it's that kind of room where we are memorializing and making a quick buck off of other person's tragedies mm-hmm. correct and then you've got the Would, creepy Danish couple who want to spend the night there, whatever nationality. I apologize mm-hmm. to the Danes if I got that wrong. I think it was Danish. Yeah. Could be and wrong. honestly, if, if she got it right, then also apologies to the Danes. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love this, this bodega, and it's an extended look at what's going to be one of the key scenes in the movie. I do love that New York is just the kind of place where a dude can walk in in a head to toe and a serial killer mask and like the immediate reaction is hey what's your problem and not like i'm running for the fucking door it's like oh i'm gonna step to you sir and <laughs> immediately get stabbed to death i love that that's the reaction 
Um, what do we think of that opening like 45 seconds or so of the trailer where you get that kind of extended look? Oh, it's great. Um, I mean, it, it, it feels at once very much like a scream movie, but also very much like a New York movie. Um, and that you're able to strike that balance between the two, like this franchise that has always been a quintessentially California franchise and that you're able to transport it to New York in a way that feels both effortless and intentional, um, I think is really fun. But also it, it gives you an, an idea that this is not your, this is not your daddy's ghost face. Um, like he's really brutal and in, in a way that we've not seen ghost faces really be up to this point. Um, like ghost faces have never been this audacious. They've kind of stick to the the shadows. They, they slink around. I I've been commenting as my girlfriend and I've been rewatching the franchise. The, one of the things I love about ghost faces, he's one of the few slashers that takes pratfalls. And this does not strike me as the ghost face. that's going to take pratfalls based on this trailer. Like, you know, he says to Sydney or to, to Gail, you've, you've not seen a ghost face like me. There's never been a ghost face like me. This is CrossFit ghost face. It is. <laughs> it, it, this honestly feels like the stab eight ghost face played by Matthew Lillard in five cream. Like you, like the, the, the ripped guy with the flamethrower. Like this feels like the physical manifestation of that ghost face in a way. Um, and I'm, kind of here for it like i i love the i love the change of set i was a little like okay ghostface takes manhattan now but like this feels this feels natural this feels like like a different kind of ghostface like a like an east coast ghostface mm -hmm. and i'm kind of here for it and i love the use of space like scream has always excelled at really tight claustrophobic set pieces like the recording studio into you know the house in one like all these different like just you turn a corner, you go through a door. It's these really tight spaces. And I like the way they've translated that to New York with the bodega, with crawling across a ladder to get from one building to the other in this really tight alleyway. You know, I, I just love that they're continuing that, but kind of not one-upping it, but just saying, see what we can do in a new space and still keep the scream vibe and give you these amazing, really tense set pieces. Yeah agree with that you're not because you think it's new york it should be e pretty easy to get away it's such a large city you should be able to escape right. fairly easy but i think you, amongst that crowd you can see how hard it can be to navigate because when you're in these buildings there isn't that room to navigate and that is what struck me watching this is how i guess for me because i'm re-watching all the rocky movies how quick and easy it is for like ghost fakes to get within that reach so you can't maneuver you can't get away and you almost watch it you're like well it looks like everybody's going to be dead by the end of this and you know it's not going to just be one ghost face by the end of this like i'd be shocked if it's only one killer again that's only ever happened the one time yeah, yeah. And, and it I, was they could not be, a success yeah yeah and they could obviously be using different audio over different video because, you know, that always happens in trailers. But when Ghostface is talking to Gail on the phone, he's also using both his hands to grab the guy behind her. So I think they're at least wanting us to think that there are two of them from that moment because it's physically impossible yes. for him to be on the phone at the same time. Agree. Right. Agree. And I just I, I I'm interested, like, what would be because 
you're talking about the bodega scene. There's the moment where Jenna Ortega's character, Tara, is kind of like all bloodied up and it looks like her grip is going to slip and fall. And you have uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown's character of Mindy, like crawling across that ladder in what what was giving me like Cloverfield vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, Which of these characters from the new cast are you because i gail might be a goner like if they're gonna this might be the one where like okay like this is this will be the one where gail is a a goner in terms of the the new cast is there any character that you think is most likely to be offed and also which one would you least want to seem offed I think um, Mindy's brother, the character name escapes me at the moment. I apologize. Um, but Chad? I, yes. Um, I I think he might be one to go. Um, but I, I don't think Mindy's safe either. Um, I There's a part of me that thinks that both Sam and Tara are safe. I would be most upset to see Tara go just because I'm a huge Jenna Ortega fan and because mm-hmm. of the hell that Tara went through in five. I... I never like to see people go through hell just to be killed off in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's it feels where cheap. I, yeah. Yeah. It just, that's where I come down on it. I, I, I don't want, you know, as you were saying, uh, Steven, like I care about these characters so much. I don't want anybody to die, even though that's right. counterintuitive for a slasher movie. Um, but I don't want any of these people to die, but especially not Tara. Yeah. I mean, they, they killed Randy off in, in Scream 2. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a franchise where historically no one really is safe, sadly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, Mindy is the one I would hate to see go. Like, I love, I love Mindy. Like she was, she was for me, the standout character of, of Five Cream. Like I, I, I loved her so much. Like I thought she was just such a fun character. Like she had that kind of the Randy Meeks energy that I'd been missing from the last few entries in the franchise. Um, And so like, and she brought that in spades and she was so good. So, but again, it kind of looks like the trailers kind of make it look like she's done, which may be the one solace that I take. And maybe she's not because the trailers for Scream 5 made it look like all sorts of characters that didn't die were going to die. And, you know, it made us think Jenna Ortega was going to die. And she she didn't. She's in the new one. Like, so, I don't know. I, I, I hope Mindy doesn't die. But I think, I, I, I sadly, I agree with you. I think Chad's probably the most likely to go. I don't want to see that either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and that's the thing. The characters that they leave you with at the end of Scream 5 are really solid characters. And I like all of them. Uh, I don't want to see any of them go again. I think Sam and Tara are probably the safest bets. Like if you're going to put money down on two characters that are going to survive Sam, because she is the new Sydney and Tara, because, because she is, I mean, she's Jenna Ortega. Are you going to kill Jenna Ortega off when she's like reaching her Zenith? No, I don't think you will. I almost feel the opposite i almost feel like she's the most likely to go jenna ortega's tara because she has so many other projects that are probably waiting for her that she can say okay like they would be a huge blow it would be a huge shock to have like you one half of your new sydney's like go in this movie but also would be like a graceful way for her to do you know she probably has an uh well 
10 other projects that are all lined up At for least, her yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Um, I would hate to see Jasmine Savoy Brown goes Mindy Meeks. I loved that character a lot. And I am, it became very fashionable over the past few years to like knock Randy. Um, the number of like, well, Randy is like toxic now actually takes like was really like, I will defend Radney, Randy with my dying breath. And I actually prefer him to Kirby. Uh, if you had to give me one or the other, like give me Randy. Yes, please. Um, and I like Kirby. That's no knock on, no. on her character. All wonderful. Exactly. Um, but I'm more of a Randy person, but I don't want to see the new Randy go. Chad probably makes a bit more sense because aside from having like Hobbs and Shaw as his nickname for his biceps, it's kind of, which is cute and adorable. Right. There's not a lot of depth to that character. Legitimately surprised he lived to see the end of yes. Scream 5, yeah. honestly. And I know that Kevin Williamson didn't have any involvement in Scream 5 aside from producing. Producing, but right. it, it, which it seems like it was a title only kind of role. Sure. What struck me in that in that movie, I think, really honors the legacy of Williamson and Craven's movies. Is like the thing about Kevin Williamson movies is you feel him rooting for his characters at every yes. page as he's writing for it, even when he has to kill them off. He's he's rooting for them to make it, even when he. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just the way I feel about mm-hmm. his style mm-hmm. of writing. Uh, he really loves his characters, and I think that comes across. I think that's what you see in these movies as well. Like you have some really well rounded fleshed out new characters that aren't just cannon fodder for the next ghost face. Um, and I think that's the thing that rubs me. Another thing that rubs me wrong about scream three is that mm-hmm. so many of those extra characters that aren't our three leads feel like cannon fodder. Sure. I will say in this house, we respect Scream 3. I just want to remind no, everybody. I love Scream 3. It's just very important. It's very I just, important. I just think it's the weakest <laughs> in the franchise. Like it, it, I watched it last night. It has grown in my estimation. Hmm. But I think it's different enough from the other entries in the franchise that it feels very much like an outlier to me. Sure. I still love it. It's a great movie. Again, there's not a bad Scream movie. There has yet to be a bad Scream movie. It's the Jason goes to hell of the Scream franchise. It is. And listeners, <laughs> longtime listeners know how much I love Jason goes to hell. And you know that it's the movie I lost my virginity to. So fantastic. Shouldn't have thrown that in, but <laughs> we're recording this last minute. So it won't get edited out. So August you know 15th, my- 1993. What's up? Anyway, those are, those are important details. These are important details. These are very important details. Okay. Moving on, Jessica, what's your next question about Scream 6? Not my never mind. Virginia. Anyway, I thought excellent. you were going to ask me for my date, and I was like, hell if I know. No, I don't know I'm how not you remember doing that. that. <laughs> I'm a gentleman. I would never do that. I did. I, I want to kind of interject with one stupid thing. Just one? <laughs> wow. This is my show still. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I downloaded that historical have like AI bot historical figures app. Mm. And all I've been trying to do is get Alfred Hitchcock to talk about Jimmy Stewart's penis and he won't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess that's why they call you the master of suspense. Cause you won't talk about Jimmy Stewart's wiener. And my response was laugh. I guess that's why, sir. Very good. So 
that was my day. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to spend your day, Mike. Yeah. Right? So anyway, I'm sorry, Jess, your next question. No, the, the hell of a segue, because I don't have any more questions about Scream 6, though I might have some questions about Me? Hitchcock and Jimmy Stewart's penis and your efforts in that endeavor. <laughs> so. But no, that's the end of my notes. I, I can keep talking about this trailer forever, but I have no more notes on my notepad. Yeah, I don't have much either. Like I want to say, I guess the only thing I had here was like, obviously the the return of Kirby. Um, not sure what's going on with that wig, but <laughs> more than that, that wig is a choice. What was really? She looks a bit like Tiff the Tiffany doll from Bride of Chucky, mm. and I can't see that as a like doesn't seem like an accident. Um, but she also looks like the CGI Peter Cushing and CGI Carrie Fisher. Oh like my she God. doesn't look like a real person. <sighs> Oh like my it God. honestly <laughs> looks like she's airbrushed in somehow, and I'm like, was she not on set? And they just kind of do you think that that Goldbergs? It's, it's the Goldbergs. Is that the show that they kicked Jeff Carlin out of yeah. for being yep. a, a creepy sex pest? Yep. And they have that episode where they like literally airbrush or CGI his character. And he looks like Ghost Grandpa. Like she looks like a hot Jeff Carlin, like airbrushed into. The trailer. Am I wrong when you see that? I mean, not at all. And I love this no. episode, if for no other reason than the hot Jeff Garland. Right. But no, well, first agree, of all, let's yeah. first of all, let's not you know say that there aren't any. There's not anyone out there who doesn't find Jeff Garland hot. No, okay? that's fair. Yeah. Totally fair. As as a as a as a chubby man myself, who you know, look aspirations. But, okay. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that there are women out there who find chubby guys hot. No, there are. I, Maybe not sex best like him, but absolutely. Chubby sure, guys are huh. hot. I will go on the record as saying that right now. God I almost you, feel bad calling I, Jeff Carlin a sex pest because I wonder, obviously the set on the Goldbergs is probably much different from the set on Curb. And I don't think you can run a Curb Your Enthusiasm set as you can a Goldberg set. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? Like there are different... They're probably letting a lot more fly and it's rolling off their shoulders on the curb set than they are in others. Not that it makes it right, but. Right. I was going to say the curb set seems a little more permissive of certain things, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I just know that Jeff Garland's not on that show anymore. I don't know any any other details about it because I'm not so perennially (laughs) online. So derailed. I'm not so perennially online that I that mm-hmm. I know everything going on. It's like I'll, yeah. I'll I'll mention somebody and they'll be like, "Oh, well, you know what happened with that guy, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, no." no. <laughs> and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, you should Google it." And I'm like, "Oh, do I want to?" And they're like, "Probably not, but you should." And I'm like, "Okay." And that's yeah. literally what I'm doing with Jeff Garland right now. <laughs> I feel like I've really derailed this episode. Uh, and I listen, Look, Mike, to as you said before so eloquently, this is your show. Yeah, so. Listeners, I apologize. For nothing. Um, <laughs> the subway scene. I want to just talk about this really briefly because you have all of these horror icons. Mm-hmm. So they're Old it's either there. Halloween mm-hmm. or they're on their way to some sort of like Fangoria style convention. Right. That has to be what it is, like some sort of cosplay, right. Comic-Con or horror mm-hmm. event. I think that like the, the ghost face you see on that train as a swerve 
because again you have the two different styles of masks you have the weathered mask of this look uh you see in the bodega and then here you have that kind of clean just out of the package ghost face look so that to me feels like it's going to be i don't think that's where mindy is going to get got if she does get got if 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 i'm wrong i'm going to be kind of bummed out because that would suck to kind of reveal that um but i feel I like mean, that's that i think a giant the swerve the biggest indictment for her not getting got is the mm-hmm. fact that we see that in the trailer yeah like i don't think she's gonna they're gonna do that i don't think they're gonna do mindy like that no, uh, at it, least I again I hope not. Yeah, it does feel like it is kind of fun seeing, and again it's like that cheeky humor of Scream, like having all these different horror icons on the train all at once. Um, yeah, that to me is really funny. What did we find? Because you mentioned Jessica way back when we were actually trying to do the show justice, um, and you were keeping us on topic. You mentioned how people were pausing the shrine and like picking it apart like loss and anything jump. I have a few notes here, but what jumped out at you? I, someone again, I can't take credit for this. I don't know who screenshotted it, but they had the, the star thing um, that Sydney's boyfriend was on. From in Scream Scream two. Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the fact that Tatum is so front and center, I mean, obviously that's going to stand out anyway because of the neon colors, but it felt like it had more of a place of honor to mm-hmm. me. I just I find something really significant about that. Stu's girlfriend. Yeah, I I, had, I keep going back to Stu. I don't think it's going to happen, but I like that. I like playing with the theory at least. They had Emma Roberts's uh, costume from the yes. end of Scream Four. Yep. They had uh, Stu's jacket from the end of the first movie. Billy's bloody shirt. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, I think one of they the had guns. The, yeah, one of the they had a, the TV. I think I saw in there too. Mm-hmm. Um. God, what else? Um, there was also all just all sorts of stuff from the previous. There was movies. A, a sketch that I tried to blow up. Um, it yeah. was kind of on the left hand side, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like right behind, I think, um, Jill's outfit from Scream Four, <laughs> and I couldn't decide if it was like a sketch of Mrs. Loomis or uh, from Scream Two, but that's what it looked like. I think it was me. Kirby. You think that was my second choice. Okay. Um, And then I think the only other thing that I had in here with, it was like Billy's bloody shirt. Uh, One of the clapboards, maybe from one of the stab movies as well. Maybe one from like stab three. Mm -hmm. So, but there's like a lot of fun stuff to pick apart in that alone. And again, it's probably all a bunch of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can assume that as much as possible in this trailer is a misdirect which i appreciate i i i love doing these shows but i also hate watching trailers that give things away so the misdirects like we mentioned mm-hmm. nope earlier like the amazing misdirects in that trailer like right, I think right. they have. so i'm hoping that that is the case with this one as well i mean there are trailers that pretty much show you the movie mm-hmm. and they're mostly marvel trailers <laughs> also and the i think <laughs> right yes i how great would that movie have been if you just didn't know it was a vampire movie at all? Yeah. Incredible is the answer to that question. Um, but like, no, I, I, but again, I don't think that's, I think this franchise is not one that's going to sh- because it's a whodunit at its core. Like it's a, it's a horror franchise. Yes, but it's also a whodunit. Like every one of these is a whodunit and the mystery at the core is who is it? Who is it this time? Mm-hmm. And it's always, yes, it's always someone you know. It's always someone we care about, which is what makes the reveal so potent. 
of who the killer is. Um, and that I think is, that's the, that's half the fun of going to a scream movie is not just trying to, not just asking the questions that we've asked, like who, who do we think is going to eat mm-hmm. it? Like, what do we think is going on here? But it's trying to figure out who's behind this and, and, on on a rewatch is it all going to fit together the way that we want it to is it all going to make sense are we you know people are still dissecting the first scream movie to see when is it Stu and when is it billy right like that's that's the part of this movie that we love like people watch glass onion and then they go back and watch glass onion again because it's it's a really good whodunit and all of these movies are whodunits at their core which is a another thing that I love about it. Cause it's two of my favorite genres, the mystery genre and the horror genre just mashed together in a way mm-hmm. that feels like this, this should always be the pairing. This should always be the way that it works out. Um, and, and again, it's another reason why I love this franchise and why I will keep coming back to this franchise as long as they keep making entries. Like I was, I was cautiously optimistic for scream five and scream five kind of made me a believer again. So I'm, I'm here for this franchise for as long as they want to keep making yeah. it. I, I saw Scream 5 in the theaters like three times within the first 10 days it was out. Went on my own, took my wife that weekend, and then my wife and I took our daughter the following mm. weekend, you know, because I enjoyed it that much. It's a movie I think it's very easy to return to. Disappointed that Jack Wade is gone because i loved his character mm-hmm. kind of called him as the killer when at the hospital he got such a weak slash in the arm i'm like okay that is just enough to injure you but not enough to put you down i'm like that's your killer right there it's the billy loomis misdirect yeah. well it can't be him because he got arrested and then they right. let him go like right his delivery of like oh shit it's go fate ghost face is my favorite <laughs> delivery of any line in any movie of all of 2022 it's it's my second it's my second most it's my second most humorous moment of 2022 after justin long in the uh and the tape measure in barbarian googling googling can you (laughs) yeah so like yeah it's it's my second biggest laugh in a theater in 2022 mm -hmm. for sure so not to jump too far ahead of ourselves, but Scream 7, what, what's your next exotic location Scream needs to travel to? Space. Gotta be space. Space. You gotta get to 10 before you get to space, don't <laughs> yes, you? Yes, please. Let's... Look, what, what what is this? The Leprechaun franchise? No, no. Yeah, hey, oh Leprechaun in space, I will defend. <laughs> Add in a robot So wife you're the one, old. okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what we'll beyond the show? To, when are we we're getting the leprechaun, Mike? When I'm dead. <laughs> when I sell the rights to this show to somebody and let someone, I that and Hellraiser will probably be two franchises that we just don't get to. Okay, well, look, I I made. I sense Brett, your disappointment. I made Brett watch two leprechaun movies last year for, for disenfranchised and one of our uh, other Patreon podcasts unenfranchised. And I don't think he's forgiven me yet. No, <laughs> um, I don't think he has, like he's still pretty bitter about it. Um, and look, I get it. They're bad movies, but I, you know, by the same token, it's, it's a horror franchise, man. It exists. And 
there are a lot of horror franchises. There are a lot of horror franchises. You built your show through. around. Look, I'm I was amazed the other day when I just searched back through the archives for Pod and Pendulum and found that you've never done The Exorcist. We'll get to it. We we got to get to that There's one. There's an intimidating amount of research to do. Sure. There. I mean, you know, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it justice. Well, you know? you know, I'm a Billy Friedkin super fan. So, so okay, we'll get to that. Um, we we have some fun stuff coming up. I'm already we really do. I'm excited. Intimidated actually. by how much research I'm going to be needing to do for a couple franchises we do later this year. But you know, we'll get to it. But that's uh, what sets you apart, Mike, is that you do the research yeah. and that you're willing to talk intelligently about these franchises that most people aren't. That's what that's to. that's what attracted me to your show in the first place. And then we became friends. And I look, would man. say, well, let's not jump ahead. Of I'm kidding. I love you, Chewie. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. I, you know it's, you know, it's important to know where I stand. That's, I would thank, say you for, that, thank you for clarifying our relationship. I would say that uh, I've been very lucky to have people come on that speak intelligently. And I talk about creepy sex pest, Jeff Carlin. <laughs> that is my role here. But I, I mean, you, I, I've told you before, the, the way I came to your show was I had just watched the Scream franchise for the oh. very first time. And I wanted to hear someone talk intelligently about it. And I listened mm-hmm. to the first 10 minutes of about 20 different podcasts that were just like, well, this movie's weird, huh? This movie's yeah. good. And then I, I got to you and it's you and Jerry talking very intelligently about the Scream yeah. franchise. And I was like, this is my horror podcast. I appreciate that. I, would, I All these years I'm later, blushing. I'm right here I'm, talking to you. So. I'm, blushing right now so i'm gonna stop now <laughs> we're blowing i got really mad at another show that i really love because they were blowing smoke up their cahoots lately and i'm like come on guys stop this do this off air um all right sorry but, i will we, no, we stop I, recording i'll blow all the smoke you want i will i will say that i've been very fortunate between this and psychoanalysis to surround myself with extremely intelligent and funny and fun people to talk to that make me look much smarter than I am. <laughs> um, and if you're out there and you do a show or thinking of doing a show, the one piece of advice I'll give everybody is surround yourself with like intelligent, smart, empathetic people, and you will have fun every time you do a show. Um, on that note, I want to see a league of gentle. I want to see like a, a league of Batman style scream follow-ups which is for those it's batman incorporated i'm sorry where Mm. like basically there is a franchise of batman like bruce wayne just underwrites it basically and people still don't figure out he's batman somehow (laughs) he's literally underwriting it give me like ghost faces had all the clues in different cities across the world for scream you know, because think about like all of these friends from Woodsboro are now all in New York. Like, do they all live there? That's I, weird. If it's a museum thing, I can see them all going to New York to like to go to that museum to, to like check it out, see what it's about. Right? Because they're they're uh-huh. victims of this thing. Like, this is their lives that are being basically like the 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 most traumatic moment of their life is being glorified. Maybe they're there to sure. protest. Maybe they're there to see what it's about. Maybe but, they're like, getting paid maybe hmm. um but this would but, be like if someone opened a museum of every woman that's ripped my heart out of my chest and i'm like oh you know i what, have mike? to go there and relive this heartbreak i would go you would go to I my would museum go. of my <laughs> heartbreak would. yeah 
Would you so, go to your museum just, of heartbreak though? You know what? I'm I'm the kind of person who tends to like relish in uh in like tragedy and depression. So yeah, mm-hmm. I probably would, honestly. <laughs> so all right. And I would just be a sobbing mess in the corner. But you know, that's that's my trauma. So <laughs> do with that think- what you will. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction that our Scream trailer reveal episode is going to run longer than our Phantasm Oblivion episode. <laughs> I'll be on that one too, Mike. I'll see what I'll I can do like, to, yeah, to stretch that, that one. A, that was a movie. Phantasm Oblivion. That was something we watched. All right. I'm about halfway through Phantasm 2 right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to, since you're Fair pushing enough. it back, I'm going to give myself wow. the time okay. to get through the franchise. Yeah. Excellent. So do we have any final thoughts? I mean, just aside from, I'm like, fucking jacked and pumped for this movie i can't wait for it i I love scream like again i'll i'll watch these movies till they stop making them like i i bought the 4k steelbooks for the first two films Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to them releasing the others on 4k steelbook so i can buy all of them Mm -hmm. on 4k steelbook like i i love this franchise it is again one of my top three favorite horror franchises alongside gremlins and evil dead so i am a hundred percent here for this movie, for, for any future scream installments, wherever they take the franchise, I'm on board. I will have my, my, you know, fan misgivings and and misapprehensions, but I'm still going to be there opening weekend to see this thing. So same. I have been spoiled on almost all of these films and I'm going to be there opening night come hell or high water. So I don't get spoiled on this one. That is my goal because I love these movies too. I, yeah. I just rewatched Scream 4 for like the third time this year, a night or two ago. Um, I'm obsessed with Scream. I'm looking forward to having an excuse to rewatch all of them in preparation for seeing that shrine or museum or club or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, please, if you spoil me, I swear I'll kill you. That's, that's Scream my message. 4 is that will be so Scream, <laughs> Scream 7 will be a, like the killer's motivation is people who spoil yes. movies. The vengeance of Jessica Scott. <laughs> I am super excited for it's. It's amazing that it's coming out like a about 12, 13 months after mm-hmm. the last one. And it looks solid. Um, I feel like the radio silence team really knows what they're doing when it comes to the series. I feel like they've populated it with a lot of performers who I think we all really want to see on screen. And I am always going to be down for another scream. It's my favorite franchise. I love all of them. I think they all have their merits. I was stunned with how much I enjoy scream five left me giddy. It left me like wanting to like run out of the theater to talk about it right away. So we will be covering it. Like we'll be covering it within a week of its release. Um, I well, demand I think, to be on that yeah, episode. Mike. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, as my cat runs away, we will we'll probably be like deep into the purge, or we might even be wrapping up the purge by then. It might even work out time-wise where there won't be any gap. So nice. we will just power through that as best we can, and we're going to get to Scream 6 right away on the show. So... With regards to where you can, listeners, you can find the rest of us. What's going on, Jessica? You have a very busy plate, <laughs> as usual. Yes. So you tell us what are you what are you cooking up right now? Um, I'm getting ready. Sundance Film Festival has started. My coverage will start very soon. I'll have some interviews with Nightmarish Conjuring's film cred, Neon Splatter, 
uh, hopefully some other places. So a lot of Sundance reviews for me, a lot of horror Sundance reviews. Um, as always, you can find me at Slash Film and my own site, We Who Walk Here, just put up a review of Skinnamarink on there. Um, but yeah, look out for all my Sundance coverage. I'm really excited for all the horror movies that are playing there. What's one or two titles that you're really looking forward to checking out with your coverage? Um, Infinity Pool, the Brandon Cronenberg film with Mia mm-hmm. Goth and Alexander Skarsgård. I cannot wait for that. I've got it circled Holy on my shit. calendar. I am very excited for that one. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. That's my number one. You had one. me at Mia Goth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you had me at, at Brandon Cronenberg and then True. it just kept getting better um <laughs> that's insane it, i i need to, i'm i think i'm gonna try to see skin and this weekend like i i need to see that movie it is so good it's gonna be on shutter february 2nd if anybody out yeah. there doesn't have it playing near them so i recommend seeing it in a theater yes agreed it's it's funny I'm like in the middle on that movie. I think that it's very unnerving. And I think sometimes unnerving is better than scary. Um, I love that this movie exists and I love that there's something so out there. And I love that like the screening I went to when the lights came up, I was the only person that liked it. One person yelled out more like skin a suck, uh, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Even if I disagreed. No, you're not wrong. That is really funny. But I love that horror fans will, unlike other genres, like at least turn out for something experimental. Right. So I am very happy that that movie is doing as well, but I'm not sure. I don't know if I could watch it again. Mm. And I don't know if I could watch it at home because I think it would be way too easy to get distracted. I'd have Mm. to like, literally hide every distraction for there's no need for that movie to be an hour and 40 minutes that's a big beef of mine on movies that like have forward momentum (laughs) you know and a plot and characters you can see on screen uh if a movie's an hour 40 minutes you're testing my patience like go big or go home i joked with bloody good horror I'm like, this movie needed to be four hours long or a trilogy. Really, that's what it needed to be. <laughs> but I, go see it. It's worth yeah, seeing. Either see way, well, I, I am planning to see it this weekend with the girlfriend. I think she's very excited to see it as well. I hope y'all like it. I loved it. I I liked the runtime, but I agree. Had I watched yeah. it at home, I would have been on my phone. Just because that I know myself, I know my ADHD self, that's what I would have been doing. Yeah. And I'm glad I was not able to do that. I smell a Patreon episode coming up in February. Steven, where can we find you? Oh God, all the normal places. Uh, I am the host of the disenfranchised podcast. Uh, You can find us on really anywhere you get your podcasts. It is January. So we are doing our award season spectacular. Uh, As of the day we are recording this, we just released our episode on 1994's best picture winner, Forrest Gump. Um, Last week, we came out with our episode on 1942's Casablanca. And next week, we're going to be dropping our episode on 2006's The Departed. Um, So just, you know, best picture winners that happen to not kick off franchises, but absolutely could have as kind of our theme. Uh, Next week, we're going to do our our second spooky-thon of the last six months. Uh, We're just going to do a a run of horror movies in February, because that seems as Mm -hmm. good a time as any to do some horror movies. Mike, we're absolutely planning on having you on to do our annual Valentine's day episode. So 
um, that's that's going to be fun as it always is. Um, but yeah, you can find us on uh, wherever you get your podcast, Disenfranchised Podcast, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook, at Pod. You can find me on all the social medias that you can think to look on, at Chewy Walrus. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. You know, the, the, the South Korean film that Scorsese remade for The Departed mm-hmm. is a franchise. Like, it's a I three know. film... And I want to order it. I could not find like a good price Blu-ray box set. Of I that. think it's on Criterion. So if you wait till yeah. one of the Criterion flash sales come out, you can get the whole Internal Affairs trilogy on. Because yeah. it's fucking great. And I love The Departed. I mean, look, I'm a Boston guy. Give me the fucking Departed, Wicked Pissa. Yeah. You know, Departed, just like, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I my Martin says he needs to be protected at all costs. And Uncle Marty is a treasure and yes. he must, you're right. He must be protected at all costs. Mm-hmm. Listen to Uncle Marty kids. Yeah. Yes. You know, he uh, saw terrifier too and said, this is cinema. I need to, I want to get a t-shirt that just says Martin Scorsese was right and just wear it to every mm. Marvel movie that I see in theaters. Yes. I, I don't go to Marvel movies in theaters anymore. I, you know what? If I had a Martin Scorsese was right t-shirt, I would go to all of them on opening night. Uh, we just made somebody mad. Um, I I, you know what? I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, you can find me uh, roaming the streets of Boston. Uh, you can find... <laughs> Me online at Mike underscore Snoonian. You can find me at Letterboxd at Mike Chump Change. Uh, doing a deep dive into Hitchcock this year. So I have like a bunch of lists and thoughts up. I, my goal is to get through like 30 of his movies when I'm not trying to get him to talk his AI <laughs> to talk about his dearly uh, dear friend James Stewart's Wang. Um, which. <laughs> My wife came and she's like, how was your day? And I'm like, I'm trying to get this AI bot of Alfred Hitchcock to talk about Jimmy Stewart's penis. And my wife just looked at me and just walked out of the room and went to go do. You know what? Your wife, I, puts I've up never with met your lot. wife. She's got to be a saint. She puts up with a lot. She really does. Um, you can hear my other show, Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast. Everywhere you get shows, January was COVID month. Um, so we just posted today our episode on host with special guests Gina Radcliffe, uh, Terry Menard, and Nicole Goble, who's also here on this show frequently february is going to be a bad romance month where we're going to be doing uh possession and jess you're going to be on for that mm-hmm. so glad you picked that movie i don't know how i went almost 48 years not seeing it i am obsessed with that movie i need um, to see this movie everyone on twitter is talking about possession oh. i i don't have shutter so i have no way of seeing it like we need to hook you up with help your boy out and, please um we're going to be covering that. We're going to be covering X as our another as our other topic movie, and then uh, we're going to be talking about my all time favorite movie, An American Werewolf in London. That'll also fit in the category that month. So weird transitional time for that show right now, as my co-hosts have gone on a bit of a sabbatical. Um, so I am like uh, trying. If I seem a bit manic tonight, it's like all I do is work and podcast. And eat carbs at this point. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. everyone needs a hobby. Everyone, and yes, yeah. um, and carbs are a hell of a hobby. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, 
what's going on here at the pod and the pendulum. So we are, have two episodes left on Phantasm. We have Oblivion and Ravager. And I think those will be fun because Oblivion is is the mid nineties as it gets when it comes to a direct video. And it's fascinating to see that at a time when like the scream series is taking off uh, and seeing this old school direct to video movie. So it's really going to be fun to talk about that in Ravager. After wait. that, we're diving into the purge movies. Cause I'm like, Hey, the purge five disc Blu-ray sets on sale for 20 bucks. That's a franchise. And everybody was like, who wants to do this? And everybody was like, fuck yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing the purge next as our next series. Really happy for that. We'll be covering scream six. We'll be covering evil dead rise as one off. So complete our journey so far on those. Also, like I really want to get to jaws this year. Like that is a series I really want to cover. Uh, and get those four movies uh, it's by summertime. And I'm trying to make the dates line up so we could get to Saw as a franchise. Because Saw 10 comes out this year. It would be a great Halloween episode to go do. Halloween drops on a Monday. So we could easily make that our Halloween episode. Longtime listeners know I've only seen the first two Saw movies in Jigsaw. Same. Own all of them. I've avoided them like the plague because <laughs> I just don't think they're for me. Same. <laughs> but I also like downloads and I like listeners. So same. <laughs> same. So and I know people who love these movies, and I think we could also get like Lindsay to come out of retirement to talk about all of these movies too. That would so be that so, would be, that would be so sweet. It would be awesome. So I, I miss Lindsay. Lindsay, if you're listening, I miss you. Yeah. She was the best. I hate she was the best. She's not dead. She still you know, is the best. Mike. She still is. Yeah. So, um, that is it. Listeners. I thank you for putting up with us. If you've made it this pay, you're putting up with me. Cause Jessica and Steven are lovely. <laughs> And I don't so, know about that. Yeah. I mean, Jessica, you're lovely. No, I, so I am. I you. look like me. So, I mean, Mike, if we can go another eight minutes, we can get 90 minutes. On this <laughs> we got trade recipes. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of wonderful things with lentils these days. <laughs> same, actually. Like What? I've been doing so much with chickpeas. It's ridiculous. Anyway, God, we need to. We definitely need to swap recipes. Then. All right. I need to, I'm not even going to edit, folks, I'm going to, little secret, none of the show is getting edited. I am literally slapping the intro music on it, the outro music on it, and all the weird uhs and ums and and weird little gaps and pauses, like you're hearing all of them tonight, because we want to get this up quickly, and I should probably go to bed after that. I'm like, do I want to watch a movie? But no, I should probably get some sleep. And then on that note, let's take off. Thanks, listeners. We'll be back in a week with Oblivion. Mike, I love you. <laughs> I love You're you too, best. Steven. You're the best. Oh. One day we're going to man hug. I can't wait. Bellies. That will be the best day of my life. <laughs> really, it really Without will question. be for you. It really will be. <laughs> don't, don't look. I'm not. That's not hyperbole. My hugs change lives. I've been told the same about myself. So maybe, maybe we'll just mutually have the best day of each other's lives Be great or we'll just like rub buttocks we'll like back up to one another and D- look don't tease me and again this all stays in 